ladies and gentlemen, it seems we have a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your home for all these super awesome, crazy, and interesting stuff on the internet. I am Christian Moe. Hello, how is everyone? And today I am joined by Justin Coupler. Justin, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. And again, we are joined by Mr. Mark McNabb. Mark, how are you today? I'm pretty good, guys. I can't complain. You can never complain. That's a good thing. I know. I can complain well, a lot. Yeah, and well, see, here's the thing. You know, if I complained, no one would care, and everyone would hate me. So I just keep it to myself, right? I do have to say, I wouldn't care even in the slightest. So it's probably a smart move on your part. Ouch. All right, well, <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for listening to us and welcome you to our fun little party. Uh, this week we're going to start, like always, with our weekly wheels. Uh, Mr. Justin, what have you been driving? I have been driving the Kia Cadenza 2014. Um, <clears throat> when I got the car, I was, I was pretty excited at first when I heard I was going to get it because Kia plus luxury equals very weird to me. Uh, I never got a chance to drive whatever their other uh, luxury model. I think that's like the Imani or something like that. I uh, never got a crack at that one. So when I heard that car was coming, I was pretty Pretty happy to hear it, and it did not disappoint one bit when I got it. Um, the interior is fantastic. Um, it's right up there. Now, I'm not going to say it is a BMW Mercedes, but it's right up there for the money you're paying. I and mean, you have a good alternative uh, if you don't have the you know, 40 grand laying around for, for a base model, uh, I don't know, uh, five series or whatever. Um, it's right up there to compete in the price range at least. A um, little underwhelming on the power side. It uh, has about 300 horsepower, so it's okay, but it's nothing great, and it's a little bit of a pig in the corners. Um, and also, the one thing I really could not stand about this car is it has that ridiculous ski hole instead of having a folding rear seat. So the seats don't fold down at um, all? I, no, they do not fold down at all. And that week I had to buy a rug from my house. And um, just visualize a man behind the car, trying to push a rug through a small hole uh, by thrusting forward. It doesn't <laughs> look very good. <laughs> I, that's pretty awesome. You know what other car has that same issue, I found out? Uh, so the Lexus ES I was talking about last week. I had that, and I was taking a friend to the airport. He was going on a snowboarding trip, and we had to open the rear window and hang his snowboard bag out the window of the car because the ES doesn't have a folding rear seat. It just has a ski slot, and the snowboard was too big to fit through it. Yeah, that's the same issue. I think it's the uh, Toyota Avalon has that same problem. <laughs> I just... it's, really, it's really weird because, I mean, you, you would think that every car on the market nowadays has that very simple feature. There is I mean, a reason to it, I found out. Someone told me, oh, it's because it has side airbags. That's not the reason. The reasoning is this is something they started back in the back in the 80s. Instead of putting the folding rear seat, what happens, you have that, that weak link where the seat latches to the frame. That causes actually just a little bit of vibration in that back seat that is enough to make the luxury car not feel as luxurious, I guess they thought. So they started hard, you know, just bolting them straight to the frame to eliminate that, uh, that little bit of shaking you would get in the back seat. 
Uh, that's what I read about with the old Beamers that used to do that. <clears throat> it's really odd. Well, hmm. I mean, it, it, it does make a point. If you're having a harder structural point, there's less of a chance to have any sort of odd motions or vibrations in it, but it doesn't make it any less annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, trying to st you're imagining a – I can't remember what the base price on the car was. I think it was definitely in the high 30s. But you're taking a high $30,000 car, and you're eliminating a, a key feature that everybody's expecting in their car. You go to put something in the back in the back, in the trunk. You want to be able to fold down the seat so you can fit maybe a table back there or something. But it's, to not be able to fit a rug back there is very very annoying. Yeah, you know, it, right. it almost seems to me like that would really limit the uh, the people who would buy the car. You know, uh, I want to be able to hold stuff in my car. Well, yeah. And I sat there. I tore through the owner's manual for probably 30 minutes trying to find out how to fold the back seat. I was thinking, okay, maybe it has those weird latches in the trunk where you have to twist them then push, but it had none of that. It's just a hard back That's seat. Weird. It's designed <laughs> but other than that, for drug dealers. The car was awesome. I fell in love with it. I almost cried when they took it away. Yeah, no, no. That's that's what it's for. It's for drug dealers and murderers. Because if you're putting lots of bodies in the trunk. You don't want to accidentally slam the lid too hard and have the force of the bodies make the seats fold down. So that's they're hard true. bolted in. That's what it is. So you can't get caught if you're a drug dealer or a murderer. That is a very good point. Drug dealers, take note. <laughs> now, please don't arrest me, government. I was going to say, I don't think that's a problem I've had in the past, but uh, Chris, you can, you can speak for yourself. Uh, you know what? I'm just living life to the fullest. There you go. <laughs> the absolute fullest I can tell. <laughs> so, so your car was not practical enough. Uh, what I had for a week was extremely practical. I had the 2014 Toyota Tacoma, and I had top-of-the-line, all-wheel drive, V6, four-door, and I actually really, really enjoyed that truck. Um, Those are nice most, trucks, aren't they? Well, I liked it because it felt like a truck. So a lot of the other trucks I've been given are things like I've, I've had the Denali version of the GMC trucks. I had the 2500 with the diesel, and I had the 1500 with the 6-liter small block V8. And I hate the Denali pickup trucks because if I'm going to buy a pickup truck, I don't want leather and a massive navigation screen and all this stuff. Like I want a truck to do work. I live essentially on a farm. I've got a pair of horses. I have to haul hay. Uh, where I live, we don't have any garbage pickup, so I have to haul my own garbage off. Like, I want a truck to use as a truck, and that's seeming to get harder and harder to find. And also, every truck now seems to drive kind of like a car. Like, they're all trying to get that car-like driving feeling. I don't want that. It's a truck. It should feel like a freaking truck. And the Tacoma did that. Like, it it didn't feel like my '65 Ford, obviously, because my 65 Ford doesn't have power steering or power brakes, and sometimes it doesn't even want to run. But um, the, the Tacoma just felt solid. Like, you get in, and it had, you know, nice heavy-duty cloth seats and lots of cup holders and cubbies and plugs, and you slam the door, and it's just a nice thud, and you sit nice and upright, and it, it just felt like a truck in all the right ways. It made me really happy to drive around. Well, the Tacoma's always been one of the nicest compact mid-sized trucks around. And it always has been. I know my, uh, my, uh, one of my relatives had one a while ago, and I loved the thing. I drove it as often as I possibly could. And they have plenty of capacity, plenty of power. That 4-liter V6 is an awesome engine. 
I mean, it's it's a thousand years old, but it it gets the draw the the job done. You know, it's it's a truck engine for doing truck things. Yeah, there's no need to go uh, re reworking the wheel just because you want to do it. If the engine works, just keep it. Right. Agreed. Um, Mr. Mark, what did what did you have a chance to drive? Well, you know, mine was on the more practical side as well, and my rear seats did fold. Um, I had the chance to be in a Hyundai Santa Fe. Uh, this is a three-row pasture SUV crossover that uh, Hyundai's been in selling like hotcakes. Um, so, really, it's, so a, it's you didn't have the Sport; you had the big one, the three-row. Yeah, the Sport is the uh, the shorter one with the two rows. This is the larger one with the three. Um, it had the 3.3 liter V6, um, had all-wheel drive, had all the nice stuff like that. It was a very practical car. I really enjoyed it. Um, it felt nice, solidly built um, with the all-wheel drive. I did get the chance to drive a, just a front-wheel drive model. The all-wheel drive really does take care of uh, like understeer in the corners. Also, uh, kind of eliminates the torque steer in the, in the steering wheel. Um, the car itself, solidly built. Seems like the fit and finish is above par for Hyundai. Um, and, you know, it, it really did drive like a car. So I, I can't really complain about it. All right. Not bad. Um, so, like, I guess did you get to do anything with it to, like, load anything in the back, or did you fiddle with the seats or anything like that? You know, with the with both uh, rear seats folded flat, it did have tons of cargo room. I didn't have the chance to put a whole lot of stuff in it. Um, but I can tell that it has a lot of room. Kind of on par with um, kind of in the kind of Tahoe yeah. Um, I wish I could trade with it because it does have standard, I think, 5,000 pounds worth of towing. And, I mean, that's pretty good for a crossover SUV. Yeah, I think it's the only one that comes standard with the 5,000-pound rating. That is correct, I believe. And it's, um, you know, I mean, that's pretty substantial for a unibody-based crossover. Agreed. I mean, that's enough for a decent-sized a decent size, size boat. Yeah. And... Um, Basically, the car handled well. It did uh, get almost up to the uh, the EPA rating of I think it's like 26 uh, mpg. Um, it's you know it's a decent car for like a family or um, somebody's looking for the kind of the car like feel but with more capacity. So. Okay. Cool. So there you go, families that are listening. Maybe maybe give that a look. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and. After the Weekly Garage, we're going to go ahead and move on in, into some news. And the thing I want to talk about, because it was very exciting for me this weekend, was the first F1 race of the 2014 Ooh. season in Melbourne. Um, for those of you who haven't watched it, yeah, there are spoilers coming. Some quite big ones, so... But listen, I don't anyway, because we're awesome. Right. I mean, I, I guess you can skip ahead like 10 minutes, and hopefully you don't land right on the spot where I'm like, and the winner was! Um... But so the race is a big deal this year because they've changed so many rules. The aerodynamic rules have been changed drastically. Fuel consumption rules have been changed drastically. Um, the cars have more power. They have less grip. And we have entirely new engines. Uh, we're using V6 turbos now. First time we've had a turbocharged F1 car in like 26 or something years. Um, so there's a lot of new things that are going on, and a lot of the teams are having difficulty with their cars. Um, the big, big news of the race was the current world champion, Sebastian Vettel, who was one race away from setting a new consecutive race win record, was out of the race 
six laps in for an engine failure. So Ouch. the yes, so the current world champion is out of the race because his engine died, and his partner on the team took second place. So that's got to be pretty frustrating to be the current world champion and your car break at the beginning of the race and then have your teammate's car work completely fine and he takes second place. Um, another hopeful to win was former world champion. Um, oh, I forgot his name. What's wrong with me? Um, yeah, because that's how I run. Um, <laughs> Have one of those days, I see Christian. I am. It's been, it's, what is that guy's name? I know. It's been a super long week. How did I forget So anyway, his name? Chris, what was the deal with um, the second place finish, though? There was a little catch on that. There was. After the race, um, Red Bull was disqualified because they claimed that the... Fuel consumption. So one of the new new rules is not only are they limited to less fuel than before, 100 kilograms, they are limited to the um, amount of fuel they can have. Like a, a, they have a fuel flow limit. So only X amount of fuel can be going into the engine at any one time. The problem they have is the sensors that are used to measure that aren't exactly really good for racing applications. They aren't very accurate and they fall into this weird sort of large percentage of what it could be. Red Bull complained before the race that their sensor was bad and they wanted a new one. And so they got a new one, but they still didn't like the measurements it was, it, it was giving them. They do have an onboard system, their live telemetry, that gives them a more accurate fuel rate. And basically what has happened is the sensor provided by the FIA, the one that they got replaced, said they were over the limit. But their engine telemetry said they were under the limit, and so they're kind of arguing about it, and Red Bull is uh, appealing the FIA's decision. Um, so we're going to have to see where that goes. It's going to be kind of a big deal. If Red Bull wins, then all of the teams can stop using, essentially, the required equipment, which leads to potential issues where there could be some cheating of some sort if you can try and fudge your numbers coming out of your own computer because um, not everyone is using the exact same but at the same time if the equipment they provided doesn't work then I kind of think that they need to work on getting a piece of equipment that is more practical and works more than what they've currently given the team you know like if this yeah, is can, go ahead you can't, you know, disqualify people for faulty equipment, especially when it's provided by FIA. Um, you know, in order to be holding these people accountable, they need to have equipment that is, you know, accurate, perfectly uh, across the board on each one of these cars before they can start disqualifying people. So, you know, that's my take on it. Right. So I, that, that's, that's a great point. Like, that's, that's the whole thing. When you're dealing with a sport that you measure things in hundreds and thousands of a second, and then a huge piece of your equipment isn't reliable or isn't doesn't have that level of sophistication when you are racing, like it shouldn't be in the sport. But um, Lewis Hamilton, that's his name. I remembered, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton. Uh, there you go. Yes, 
from from Mercedes. Um, so Lewis Hamilton. I didn't get Mercedes, a chance to to watch the race, and I've. Uh, oh. No, go ahead. Sorry, my my system just completely froze up on me. Oh well, you didn't stop talking to us. Oh okay. Um, anyways, I, th I think we're getting to a point where FIA may be getting a little bit too uh, micromanaging with this whole thing. I mean, come on, you're limiting, you're changing the engine, understand. You are changing the aerodynamics and downforce and things like that. I totally understand. Limiting the amount of fuel they can use, the engines they can use, fine. But really, are they going to whittle this all the way down to we're going to limit the amount of flow you can have now? It's something like 10 kilograms per hour or something like that. That's, that's a little that's a little microscopic, I think. Right, I, I agree. Um, like Once you start getting to that point, it's like, you know what, you've already given them a very strict limited amount of fuel, so why not just let them run that fuel? And if they mess up and they want to increase their flow and they run out of fuel, they run out of fuel and they don't finish the race and they go from first to last. Exactly, and I think that also enhances the ability of the uh, – or highlights the ability of the drivers. Because you're getting these drivers that have to have to play with the fuel system just right to get that perfect flow. Like I read somewhere else, you know, in the tighter turns, they reduce the flow since they don't need as much acceleration. And on the straightaways, they increase the flow. I think that just adds a little more human element to the sport. It makes right. it more even, you know, because it's it's more of a driver's game than anything else. Giving these people one more um, element to control, and you know, if they mess it up, they can cost themselves the race. It's not. Um, whole computer controlled and the driver just sits in there and pilots it. It's it's the whole human element to it. I think, you know, Chris and Justin, I think that's that's an excellent point. It should be it should be that way. Right. I do have to say one thing that this new set of rules has given us though is a lot of unpredictability. So yes. not only did current world champion Sebastian Vettel get thrown out for engine issues and the every what what everyone suspected to win was Lewis Hamilton, he was out. Um like a, more than a quarter of the cars didn't finish the race. So first turn, like as soon as the race started, uh, Kobayashi, who is just now coming back to the sport for Caterham, plowed through Philippe Massa, who was um, Ferrari's driver last year, the guy who Kimi Raikkonen replaced. So they're both out. First turn of the first lap, we have two cars that are gone. And then, of course, like I said, Sebastian was, was gone and Lewis Hamilton was gone. Um, before the race finished, both of the Lotuses did not finish. Uh, they were having issues. Uh, one of the turbos ex exploded, and then uh, one of the electrical systems failed. So, I mean, there's, like, all of these problems that are keeping these cars from completing a race, and it's making it really exciting. I mean, yes, so the Red Bull driver was disqualified, and that sucks, especially because he was Australian, and this was at the Australian Grand, Grand Prix, um, you know, I hate to see Daniel Ricciardo be thrown out like that, but this is his first year on the main Red Bull team, and he took second place. And that's pretty that's, good. Right. That's, that's huge in this sort of new whole issue here. And the actual winner, so here's like the really big spoiler if nobody understands what it is. Are we ready, everyone? Bum, bum, if you bum. don't want to know, bum, 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 was uh, Nico Rosberg who is also, you know, he's not a super rookie, but he's fairly new, new to the teams, and, like, he did great. And third place, third place was taken by a young man who this is his first F1 race. 
That's impressive. That's awesome. Right. Like, could you imagine on your first Grand Prix race, you podium? I wouldn't be happy with that. Right? Like, it's a really, really big sort of thing to have. Uh, The guy's name is Kevin Magnuson. Um, You know, and like, first time out, he's doing great. And it actually has put McLaren in a really cool spot because McLaren took third place. And then former world champion Jensen Button took fourth place. Um, so they're like leading in the constructor championship, um, which is a, a good deal for them for a lot of money reasons that I won't get into. That's probably for another podcast, and I'm trying to not be boring, but I get really excited about F1 stuff. But, you know, so it, it's made the races exciting. We've gone from Sebastian Vettel winning almost every single race for the last four years to we have like rookies on the podium. And all the big dogs are not even finishing the race. So it's big and it's ex- exciting to me. But you know what? I, I, I think I've talked far too long. Um, let's move on to something a bit more down to earth, um, only a little bit, with uh, Porsche. So some of the big news today is we have the new Porsche GTS Cayman and Boxster. Justin, tell me about Porsche. All right, and we have finally, finally, after so much teasing and rumors and denials and more teasing and some spy shots. Finally, the Boxster and Cayman GTS came. Um, Porsche's had the GTS and the 911 and the Cayman, or not the Cayman, the Cayenne. And finally, we have the, the, the entry-level GTS. Now, it doesn't give us quite as much horsepower as I hoped. Uh, we see about a 15-horsepower bump on each end, so it pushes the uh, box up to 330 and the uh, came up to 340. You only get 7 pound-feet of torque increase. So it looks like pretty much all the increases in power are purely electronic. There's no real engine mod from what I could see. Um, but the big thing you're getting is all the exterior upgrades. You're getting a real cool uh, front fascia with all kinds of new, uh, new aero add-ons. Um, set of Carreras, wheels, all kind of nice stuff going on in there. Uh, now, it is a tad bit pricey. Uh, over in Germany, it's checking in at about 70,000 euros on the, uh, the Boxster and 74,000 on the Cayman. Um, th- that's a pretty pricey Boxster, in my personal opinion. Um, I agree, but I'd say those prices will probably carry straight over dollars, so it'll be 70,000 and 74,000. Which um, is still a little much because uh, base Cayman S is, I think, 56? Yeah, I think you are right on that one. I think I was reading somewhere where it was pretty much a $10,000 increase over the... No, the sorry, a base, sorry, a base Cayman S is 62 grand. Yeah, so it basically is a $10,000 add-on. Right, which makes sense. But, I mean, you, not only do you get the extra 15 horsepower and 7 foot-pounds, you're also getting a lot more, um, you get the, the, the suspension setup standard. So, Right, well, that's actually a, a, a big thing to add. Um, one of the cars I had earlier, which I guess I'll probably bring up next week, uh, I got a chance to spend some time in a Cayman S, and even though the base price is 63 or 62 grand or whatever, um, Mine with all of the options because I had the suspension upgrade and the wheel upgrade and most of the things that are on the GTS package was almost ninety grand. Oh my god! So they basically yeah. took the all the options off the fully loaded S and tossed them to the GTS and dropped the price. Made it standard, yeah. 
a little bit. I mean, I, I did have some really weird options. Like I had a silver paint that was a $600 option because it's a special kind of silver. And um, the interior upgrade, that's the technology package, which is just the nicer stereo, essentially, and the navigation system, like five grand. Ouch. Ooh, that's a pricey, uh, pricey tech package. Yes. But let's go over more of the GTS goodness because I am actually really excited about these cars. Yeah, um, the the press release was pretty pretty bare actually. They didn't get too deep into everything. Um, like I said, all the upgrades on the engine look like they're purely electronic because you have you know 15 horsepower and seven pound feet, so that's usually just electronic add-ons. Um, the big thing also is the Euro Six compliance because it hit 8.2 liters per 100 kilometers. I didn't think of a chance to get the US MPG conversion. conversion. Um, so yeah, there's really not much yet. Zero sixty is down to, what is it, 4.6 on the Cayman and 4.7 on the Boxer. Uh, that's what they have listed, but that'll drop if they offer the uh, Sport Plus package on that. Yeah, and it is Sport Plus, so yeah, we'll get the uh, in parentheses after it and show what the Sports Plus is, which they don't have out yet. But once they get the microsite going, they'll put that up there. Okay, because I know the Sport Plus on the standard Cayman S drops it to 4.4, I think? Okay, so that means we should see somewhere in that range on this one, because it shouldn't be too awful much faster. Yeah, I'd say maybe... Yeah, maybe a tenth difference. If that, yeah. They'll probably round it up to a tenth. It'll probably be nine one hundred, so they'll round it up to tenth. There you go. But uh, what do you think this means for, for Porsche, that they're giving even more love to the Boxer Cayman Twins? Well, it means that they uh, see it as an important model. They understand that it's been one of their best, and it's, it's giving the... Uh, the upper class or the lower upper class people a chance to enjoy the GTS because uh, the people that can't afford the 911 GTS and the in GTS are getting a chance to, to enjoy the upgraded suspension and the extra power that it provides and the awesome body kit. Okay. Like, it's just, when I drove the Cayman S, one thing that blew my mind is that I know that car can be better than a 911, but they won't let it be. And it excites me that they're still giving it a little more power and they still keep pushing it a little bit farther and letting it get closer and closer to the 911. Yeah, that has always been a complaint of it, that it can do better than a 911, but they, they always hold it back. They sandbag it a little bit. Well, I mean, well, the, you, the original you model would, was you would engineered. Want model. Sorry, go well, ahead, Chris. Yeah, sorry. Um, well, what you were going to say, like, that's right. You don't want your cheaper model to outperform your higher-end model. Yeah. But there's just it's it's a simple design flaw of the 911 where the rear engine versus the mid engine for a lot of handling and speed issues. But yeah, when the original came in was created, it was made to fill a hole. Um, like the price was exactly halfway between the 911 and the Boxster, and the power was exactly halfway between the 911 and the Boxster, and the zero to sixty time, the top speed, all of it was exactly halfway between the Boxster and the 911. Like, it was built to fill a hole, and they've constantly neutered it on purpose to not let it outshine their... Which, it, it's, the 911 is not their bread and butter, but it is their halo. Yeah. 
Yeah, and honestly, it also adds in a little bit of brand consistency because the Cayman and the Boxer have always missed that GPS model. So it adds a little bit of consistency within the lineup. People can walk in, Land Rover's doing their sub-brands. They can now walk in and say, I'm in a Boxer, and have all these to pick from. Yeah, there's, there's so many Porsche models now. It's kind of nuts for being such a small brand. They are kind of getting a little crazy with it. And like I said a few weeks ago, the Macan, I think, might be the, uh, might be the breaking point. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, breaking point Porsches. Um, so, hey, 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 Mark, do you know anything about Porsches bursting into giant fireballs for no reason? Yeah, you know, it, it really makes for a great uh, marshmallow roast. Um, it is on the little expensive side to do that, but yeah, the the uh, the GT3s tend to, you know, burst into flames. But well, I mean, how much would you pay for a Porsche flavored marshmallow? You know that that is some exquisite dining right there. <laughs> That's even more than like caviar, you know. But does a Porsche store sell special marshmallows just for that roast? They That's have to. They've got a little cost. Porsche logo on the front. <laughs> They, they, sell with the the skewers, they sell the skewers, the marshmallows, the whole caboodle, I assume. Yeah, it comes with the luggage package. So, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, Porsche, um, you know, they grounded the, the GT3s um, back in February because, you know, they had two reports of the cars just bursting into flames as the drivers were just meandering down the road, not doing anything crazy. Um, you know, they suspended all the sales. What they did was they figured out what was going on, and what happens apparently is uh, the screws that hold the, the piston rods in place apparently work their way loose, letting the rod just get thrown through the block. Um, obviously, that's really, really not good, and it just bursts into flames from there. So what they are doing is they figured out how to obviously correct the problem, but instead of just putting new screws in the blocks, no, they're going to swap every engine out of all the 2014 GT3s. Bam. I mean, that's, that's a huge issue with Porsche. Um, have you ever worked on a 911? No, but I know it's absolutely crazy. I was about to say, it was probably Porsche just going, okay, we can spend 9,000 hours replacing these screws, or we can just give them new engines and take a day. Yeah. yeah, it's probably easier doing that. <laughs> but honestly, honestly, though, it, it, it does show a lot for Porsche to do this, to actually take the initiative. They didn't push you around about it. They said, okay, we have a problem, ground stop sales. We'll take the hit, stop sales, that's fine, no problem. They didn't screw around and say, well, let's see what's going on. I think it might be this problem. Let's just wait for a little while like some other automakers do. Other makers do. Um, so it kind of shows how focused they are on making sure their cars are 100% roadworthy. Yeah, you yeah know, and, it, and it, I do have to say they haven't sold – sorry, go ahead. No, you, you first, sir. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I do know that they haven't sold very many of these brand-new cars, so it's probably not going to be too big of a financial hit for them because they uh, stopped sales really quickly. So I'd say there can't be more than maybe 100 of these things out there that they've got to fix. Yeah, I think they've produced around 700 total, most of those still being on dealer lots. Um, but, I mean, that's still I mean, it's still going to be super expensive because obviously they have to produce you know, another 700 rounds of engines in order to put in these cars, um, which makes me wonder what they're doing with all of the, the pulled engines from the cars. I got an idea what they can do with them. Yeah, send one to me. 
Yes. <laughs> no, that sounds terrible because <laughs> then your car will catch on fire. I'll replace the screws. Uh, myself. Yeah, yeah, I'll replace the screws. Put a little okay. Loctite on there, ten cent Loctite, and we're good. Yep. <laughs> Zip ties, duct tape, all that works. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah. You can fix anything with WD-40 or duct tape. If it moves and it's not supposed to, you put duct tape on it. If it's not moving and it should, you hit it with WD-40. Otherwise, it's just broken and get a new one. Yep, precisely. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it is a major issue for Porsche, but they are handling it like champs. You know, they're not sweeping it under the rug. They're they're hitting it head on and taking care of it. You know, obviously you can't tick off that level of customer because you know they they kind of have pull. So and Porsche does they make have... quite a bit of profit on each car sold. I think a report just came out where it was like twenty three thousand dollars worth of profit on every car sold. You know that's like actually the, the yeah me- that's, median or whatever. That's that's a, a great thing to bring up, which blew my mind. Porsche is one of the most profitable brands that the VW group currently owns. Like it beat out Lamborghini and it beat out Bentley. Like it beat out all of these huge brands that are supposed to have these huge profit margins. Porsche is just raking in dollars. Yeah. Which is why they're making the McCann and they made the Cayenne and they make all of these cars because people want to have a Porsche badge almost as much as they want to have a BMW around though. I would say more. You know, I mean it's just those are very desirable cars. People will pay it. Not only do they have one of the strongest fan bases in the, in the in the world, they also have one of the best names. It's a it's a win win for them. Yeah. They can basically yeah. say we want to charge this much and you're gonna pay it. Yeah, buying parts from my Porsche makes me not want to pay it, but I have to. Um, but you know, a rabid a rabid fan base. Porsche is not the only company that has a rabid fan base. Um, I know we're all aware that at Geneva we had the incredible Civic Type R concept that came out. And like all of the Type R's before, it's not coming to the U.S., but uh, we're trying to change that. Uh, Justin, you have some info for me on that? Yeah, just uh, when was it? That was on the 13th. A report came out that there is a petition on change type R to bring the to the U.S., which is something that any of us import fans, I am an import fan, sorry guys, We've been begging and begging and begging. Bring us the R arms. We're we love the SI. The SI is great, but we need the R. We need the R. And when they brought when they brought out this new one, this new one, at least 280 horsepower, turbocharged VTEC, we all sort of drooling. And a uh, a very nice young man. I can't find his name right now, but he started. Uh, Chris Martin. It was Chris Martin. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Chris Martin was the Honda North America guy. Yeah, this is Nikos Stofis. I think I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his last name. He lives in Minnesota. He put the petition online, and it got 10,000 signatures in a matter of, I think it was a day and a half or something like that. It had some help from people like us putting it out there, but it got that many signatures to think that Honda America actually addressed it and said, we will take it under consideration, which that could just be them talking out of the behinds. Hopefully they're not. Hopefully they're actually being serious. We understand that we're ready for it. Um, we do know that it's not it's not ready for the U.S. yet. We know it doesn't have all the safety stuff that the U.S. requires. It requires We understand that. So we're willing to wait a few years, but it's at least showing some movement that they may be bringing it in. 
I mean, that's that's a good start. I mean, there is a huge difference between a lot of the Euro-spec Civic stuff and the American-spec Civic stuff. But yeah, if we can get anything, even if 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 I could get an 80% Civic Type R, that would just be phenomenal beyond a lot of what we have, and it would be a great addition to our current hot hatch market. I mean, yeah, the GTI is great, and we're getting a better one next year. And we have the Mazda Speed 3, which is insane, and Ford's ST Twins, which are awesome. But, like, more hot hatches better. Bring me Civic Type R. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense why they haven't done it yet. The, the ST's here, the GTI's here, uh, the Golf R is coming. Why don't they have it yet? I, I, you know, I've, I've always wondered that. And I think a lot of it is that America has a very unique civic from a lot of the other places and it is a lot of money to get us that but I still don't see how they couldn't break even at least like I don't see how the changes that they would have to make would be more than a thousand cars in sales to recoup and they should easily be able to sell a thousand of those things here oh, they, they'll have a thousand sold before it's even on, on dealer lots I agree but faster versions of cars are always better which is why things like the GTI the Golf R and the Type R are great um, BMW's pretty long history of doing faster things or better versions of their cars. Um, we had a story came out, uh, what was it, two days ago, yesterday? It was yesterday. Uh, the BMW M5 competition package. Mark, please let me know about the M5 competition package because I love all things M5. Alright, yeah, uh, the M5 competition package is something that is pretty special. Um, it is a $7,300 upgrade, but does give you some pretty cool stuff. It lowers the ride height by almost a half an inch. You get brand new, unique 20 inch wheels. Um, the suspension is a lot tighter. You still get the seven speed dual clutch transmission and an additional 15 uh, horsepower at the top end uh, of that 4.4 liter V8. So, I mean, that's pretty good. It bumps the horsepower to 575 over the base M5 and 560. So, um, it is going to be something that's pretty special help the uh, the people who want that special M badge be a little bit more special and brag about it some more. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the wheels, but they do remind me of the old school M M3 wheels, and I like that. Yeah. But a 575 horsepower sedan is pretty impressive. That's not too much horsepower, is it for you? No, yeah, not too much power. Right? No. Okay, good. I told you, like, 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 it's the, it's, it's the getting over 600 or 650. That, that's about my limit. Okay. Well, you only got you know 35 more horsepower to go or so. So, but I mean, yeah, it's it's a great sedan. Uh, I mean, it it still has all the good stuff that we expect from M. Um, it's supposed to be about a tenth quicker to 60. So you're looking at roughly I don't know, 3.6 mi- 3.6 seconds to 60. Um, and it's supposed to have a more um, tighter hydraulically assisted uh, rack and pinion steering. So it's going to be a little bit more stiffer in that respect too. So basically going to be tracking this car and if you're not, you're going to be suffering on the road. That's the point of this car. Yeah, it is pretty though. Like, I'm glad BMW has finally hit hit their design stride again because they were having some issues and I'm still a little iffy on the new 3's like squashed face, but the M5 looks just Bang on, perfect. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's the perfect mixture of class and aggressive and sporty, and it's just a perfect mixture, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can take it around and 
all your family and friends in it, and then on Saturdays you go to the track and you meet everybody else. So it's a perfect combination. I just. I wonder if the rear seat. Sorry, going. I'm lusting. <laughs> I'm. You get the cab. Next topic. Next topic. I am. Anyway. I am lusting after machinery. Anyway. It's like, mm, nice exhaust. Mm, it's seeing you here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that. That that covers most of our big news. Uh, let's we we can go ahead and move on to our questions because thanks to our super super awesome listeners, thank you guys. Uh, we did actually get a question or two on the uh, comments for the podcast. We still don't have any emails. Our inbox is lonely. People email us podcast at topspeed.com. But uh, we did get some questions in the in the comments for last week's podcast. Um, one of the kind of fun ones. Uh, if you could only have one car for the next ten years. What is it going to be? And I want to ask you guys to set some rules real quick. Is this a car we can buy today, or can we buy a car and modify it slightly? I would say it has to be a car we can buy today. Yeah, just okay. Okay, I think that's fair. All right, uh, Justin, you go first. Hands down, no question about it. Um, I would have to go with the Koenigsegg 1-1. It's... Impractical, it's disgustingly fast, it looks awesome, and the active aerodynamics of the article you just wrote is simply amazing. And the pure rarity, six cars, that's awesome. It's gonna be, I don't have the only one in there. You, you will, and that's, that's an interesting choice for the only car you can have for the next 10 years. Does that have a latch system in the back seat? I don't care. <laughs> you just duct tape him to the top. Like, yes, he is very flexible and very strong. Okay, well. <laughs> I'll, here, I'll, I'll make it more fair. I'll, I'll uh, tow his tricycle behind the car. Is that fair? That, that, well, that okay. Works. Is he going to help fair. you push it when it breaks? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill my dream, Mark. Don't kill my dream. Come on, Junior. Let's push. Come on. One, two, three. <laughs> Grow some muscles. <laughs> See, I, I don't oh. know. Like, I, I appreciate the car. It's nice. But I think if I was going to have to live with something for the next 10 years, mine was going to have to be a little more practical. I, I would go with, like, Range Rover Sport. It can do the fast. It can do the slow. It can haul things. It looks good. You know, it's kind of more the all-around package. I, I think that's a little more my speed. No, okay, yeah. See, I think I think that's that's a pretty good choice. Um, I I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I thought about something like maybe the diesel Grand Grand Cherokee. Very um, nice. That's pretty sweet. Um, because then I get lots of fuel economy and I have power to tow some pretty big things. Um, and the car I want, and and, and the reason I asked about if we can change things is, is the car I want doesn't exist. Um, I want a Golf R with a diesel, but since I can't modify anything, I'm gonna have to say I would go with the brand new Mark 7 GTD that's coming out next next summer. Um, I can it's basically my Golf TDI, but it's faster with a better suspension and it's got plaid seats because hell yes, it's plaid seats. Everyone likes the plaid um, seats. I listeners, readers. If any of you have a Mark VI GTI and you want to sell your seats, I want to buy them. I want plaid seats inside of my Golf 
so, so bad, I will sell you some of my siblings. So just keep that in listening. <laughs> yes, plaid, plaid seats are worth more to me than some of my siblings. I mean, there's probably um, like six upholstery shops a mile from your house. Don't just get plaid seats made. Uh, well, one, the way the seats are designed, it's going to be a lot of money. I, I looked into just buying the material, like just buying the seat covers for my seats, and it's still going to be like $800 to get all four done. So that's, $800 is you know, more reasonable than a sibling. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's really – so now you've monetized your siblings. I hope they're not yeah, listening. I already – well, so here's the thing, though. I don't have the $800 to spend on seat covers, but I already have the siblings. So you can live with one or two less. Yeah. Like, I've got two, and they're both great. But, I mean, if I had to get rid of one to have my dream car, I mean, you know, I see my dream car more often than I see my siblings. They do have these cool things. I'm just going to let you know. It's called a bank. You walk in, you sign a little paperwork, and they'll probably hand over $800. No problem. Well, that's how I got the car to begin with. It was more than $800, but that's how I got the car to begin with. But, like, yeah, so the GTD, it's a faster, more powerful diesel version. And I love my car so much that just having a better version would be more than enough for me. I mean, I've got, I put a trailer hitch on my car. I hauled a 2,000 pound trailer, 1,700, or sorry, not 1,700 miles, 1,000 miles, a 17 hour trip down to the Florida Keys for my, my wedding. And I was still getting 28 miles to the gallon hauling a trailer down That's the impressive. interstate. Right. And if I get the four door one, I've got room for kids, I've got room for people, the back seats fold down, there's tons of room in the rear end. And I mean, like, when you want to, you drop a cog, slam your foot, you've got all that diesel torque, and the cars are super, super fun to drive. So, like, if it's a, you can only have this one thing for 10 years, I'd have to get something more practical than a 1-1. And that would be a Golf GTD, because yeah. thank you Volkswagen for being that. I think I can see your point. I did make kind of a uh, <laughs> impractical decision there. See, that's my heart. That's what keeps, that's what keeps out. I, I, I think of that, and my heart says, 1-1, 1-1. Well, you've already I, made your I choice, have to so say, you're going to have to live with it, you know. Right, but but I have to say, if me and you had met up somewhere and you're like, let's go out to the bar and get a drink or let's go eat something, I'd be like, let's take your car <laughs> <laughs> because you have the one one. I think we would all say that. <laughs> I won't pay gas, though. Oh, <laughs> that's not fair. So how far away is the bar? It's about six miles. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's going to be like $70 in fuel to get there. Back. <laughs> I think we'll walk. <laughs> No, like, look, I'd love to drive, but I had a glass of wine about six weeks ago, so I'm a little empty. <laughs> All right, uh, some, of, some of the other comments we got on last week's show, um, I brought up video games and new cars last week, um, and one of our readers was like, hey, there are some other games out there that we'd like to maybe see some coverage on. Uh, one of those is called Assetto Corsa. Um, I'd like to say that I can't promise it right now, but it is on my list of something to try and get my hands on and maybe get some coverage up on the site, so that's coming. There's another car game that I really want to try and get a hold of a copy. It's called Project Cars. Um, it's made by part of the team that used to do the old Project Gotham racing games, um, and it looks even better than Forza 5, and they have incredible physics and incredible crash engines. But the game's in like a pre-release beta sort of phase, so getting a hold of a copy to play is really difficult. So 
I'm not going to promise anything, but I would like to say I'm looking to try and get into that. Um, I would also like to say thank you. I did get one jelly bean Baron. Um, it was really hilarious. Um, was I was really hoping for more. Um, I wanted we only the one plastered down the side. <laughs> yes, but um, so so I'm I'm issuing you a slightly enhanced challenge to that. If we can get enough photos of jelly bean liveried Varens, I will write up a piece and we will do a uh, like a gallery of our awesome readers jelly bean Varens. So if you want to be featured on the site, use I don't care if your Photoshop skills are great or terrible. Give us a jelly bean Varen, and we'll put up a little gallery, and everybody can see everyone's awesome work. Okay, so hop onto that. Get us some jelly bean cars. Um, the hey, last and because Bugatti makes like 50 yeah. million um, special editions, maybe they'll you know consider this one a little partnership with jelly right. bean. Right. <laughs> oh, hey, bonus point. Give us the flavor. Well, because they every special edition has its own color scheme. So if you pick a special edition and do a jelly bean Varen, and you give us the flavor that your Varen should taste like, you get bonus points. Oh, that is fame. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a like game. this is the blueberry pie Varen. <laughs> this is the blueberry pie Varen. All right. Uh, one thing we we had a wonderful listener who asked us to discuss one of Mansory's uh, Lamborghini Aventadors. Uh, so that is the Lamborghini Aventador Carbonado. He just said the Carbonado, they've got a couple versions of it. Uh, I decided we should probably cover the 2014 GT model. What do you guys think about that incredible machine? Um, well, I, for one, have a little bit of a, a hatred for all things Mansory. Um, I love their engine upgrades. Look at their body kits are just out of this world, over the top, ridiculous, take away from the styling of the car. I, they always make me... You mean? So you don't want a three-foot-wide hood scoop on, or a, a a roof scoop on the top of your Aventador? Yeah, you know, as 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 awesome as that looks, uh, no thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so Justin, I should go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think that uh, the Lamborghini style is pretty wild as it is already. I don't think I need an extra um, ten scoops to, you know. Gussy it up. I think it's fun just the way it is. Um, I'm 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 sort of in a strange boat here, because um, my general rule is I don't like tuners pretty much in general. Um, I I know they can make them faster. And I know they can make them look different. But I have a hard time believing in my brain that six guys in a shed in California know better than billions of dollars of research from a massive company on how to build a car. Um, but, and back to Justin's thing, like Mansory, you guys make some pretty terribly disgustingly looking ve vehicles, but I kind of dig this Lambo with the white and the black and the extra scoops and stuff, because again, to me, that's kind of what Lambo is. Like, I want a modern Countach, and that looks kind of like a modern Countach with a thousand holes. It, it's like some guy got drunk and took a hatchet to it. <laughs> or the mothership. <laughs> that's why, God, if you're going to have a Lamborghini... Yeah, but I mean, if you're gonna have a Lamborghini, why not a drunk hatchet Lamborghini? I'll pay four hundred thousand dollars for that, right? Yeah, it is a lot of money. I, but their their engine work on on this car, sixteen hundred horsepower. That's too much. Too much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think anyone in the world could argue that that is not too much horsepower. But, like, can you imagine what the turbo lag on that thing has got to be like? <laughs> You're ready to slow you down know, again. Here's the turbo just coming in. Right. So, like, they, so in our piece, we have listed that Mansfield claims 2.1 seconds is all it takes to go from 0 to 60. I think it's two seconds of turbo lag. Like, you stand on the pedal, and you don't move for two seconds, and then you're, boom, to 60. <laughs> That could be actually kind of fun. So two seconds to spool up, one second to 60. I like that. That, like that. would be the most terrifying ride in the imagine, world. Imagine the drag ship. The, the other car takes off, and I'll sing That'd be just awesome. Except for you crash every time. <laughs> right, but, but could you imagine the... Impact when the G-forces made you black out and you crashed that thing like three <laughs> seconds later. Well, that's why you have to go get the pilot suit that, that you know inflates and keeps all the blood where it's supposed to be. We'll top cut in that. There you go. <laughs> Forty-seven G's of acceleration. <laughs> we'll only do it once. <laughs> the body just flies off. The chassis goes forward. <laughs> there you go. Body panels gently used. Only crashed once. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, so that's our take on some of Mansory's wares. Um, you know, tuner cars are kind of cool, but I guess they're just sort of not our thing. So if you think we're wrong, please let us know. Um, speaking of we're wrong, I didn't see any comments that said Justin and Mark were wrong on the last podcast, so I'm sad at you people for that. But uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, if you're having some issues out of this podcast, we apologize. Um, we're working with some new new equipment here. We're trying to grow and improve and make your podcast experience even better. Uh, we've got brand new mics coming in. Everyone's going to sound a lot better soon. So um, please stick with us and you know kind of grow with us. And we apologize if, if you're having any any issues with this. But uh, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, please do get a hold of us. You can leave a comment on the post when it goes live, like you have been, or you can reach us on email, uh, podcast at uh, topspeed.com. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you can get me on Twitter. I'm Christian Mo. My Twitter handle is at Moford. Justin? Hey, you guys can catch me at, at the Car Junkie. And also, if you guys are in the St. Pete area on uh, April 6th, I'm going to be at the Festivals of Speed uh, in downtown St. Pete at, um, I can't remember the name of the place. I'll get that back to you guys later. But I'll be there uh, April 6th. There's a nice little festival going on. It's about 12 bucks a person. You can come down and stalk me. All right, and Mark, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter on at Mark McNabb, and also you can find me on the site posting stuff daily. All right, so again, we want to thank everyone for listening. It's been a blast to have you. Uh, once again, we apologize if you're having any, any issues with any sort of audio. We're working our best to get them up and running smoothly to make everything awesome for you guys. Uh, so I hope everyone has a wonderful week, and we will see you next Thursday. Peace out. See you guys. Thank you.